0: the Get Booked Podcast, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode 252, and we're recording on September 29th. I'm Amanda Nelson, and I'm here with Jen Northington, and we are coming to you from Book Riot.
1: Doubleheader. Doubleheader. <laughs> I honestly don't remember the last time we did
0: one of these. <laughs> I don't either. We just finished recording the current week's show, and now we are recording next week's show because I'm going to be on vacation. Usually we get guests, but you know, who's got time for that? Who's got time for that, I say? <laughs> Anyway, okay, so how the show works, as I said, this is a show for personalized reading recommendations, so you write into us with your reading recommendation request, you can email them to us at com, or you can drop them in the form at the bottom of the show notes. If your question is time sensitive, please put that in the subject line if you're using the email, or in big bold letters in the first line if you're using the form so that we will get to it on time. We ask for your email address because it is possible that we will email you back and answer um, if we have already answered your question on the show. Okay. Um, couple items of feedback here. One from Wendy. I heard the request and I knew I was going to have Rex for Selena who was looking for women loving women books with a shy cinnamon roll character. Here are some of my fraves. Stepping Stone by Karen Callmaker. Strawberry Summer by Melissa Braden. Too Close to Touch by Georgia Beers. Georgia Beers is such a cool name. Georgia Beers. <laughs> and, uh, and Just Jory by Robin Alexander. And then Lauren for the person who requested a book about women loving women with a sweet cinnamon character. I'd love to recommend Cinderella is Dead by Kaylin Barron. Um it's a queer retelling of Cinderella set 200 years after Cinderella found her prince. I am intrigued by that. I am intrigued, I must say. Alrighty, so Jen's going to read our first question and then we will talk about our first sponsor and away we will go.
1: Alright, first question is from Emily who says, I'm a major fan of character-driven, realistic fiction and have lived in this bubble for years but recently I read Never Let Me Go by Kazuo Ishiguro and absolutely loved it. It made me want to step more into the world of sci-fi slash dystopian slash adventure novels but I say that hesitantly. I think I loved Never Let Me Go because it was still very character-driven. Character evolvement is my favorite part of reading and I sometimes feel more plot heavy novels lack this quality. So I'm looking for a novel that is either in the futuristic sci fi dystopian or adventure realm, but still has rich characters. I enjoy coming of age stories, late teens to mid 20s. But I'm trying to step away from YA and more into literary coming of age. I also usually love when books have a little dabble of romance. All right, let us take a sponsor break.
2: Today's episode is brought to you by Avid Reader Press. It kind of gives Outlander meets Cloud Atlas, or If the Time Traveler's Wife was written by Sally Rooney or Colson Whitehead. Make sure to check out The Ministry of Time by Kalyan Bradley. And thanks again to Avid Reader Press for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Sourcebooks Landmark. So King Solomon says something very interesting to his son before he dies, and that is, quote, don't let the white man take the house, end quote. These, as I just mentioned, are King Solomon's last words to his son as he dies. Now, all four Solomon siblings must return to North Carolina to save the kingdom, their ancestral home, and 200 acres of land from a development company. Told in alternating viewpoints, long after we are gone by Tara Shelton-Harris,
1: okay so comps for never let me go character driven sci-fi etc amanda what do you have i picked
0: the water cure by sophie MacIntosh, which comes with just a thousand trigger warnings just all of them rape murder child abuse are the main ones and this is definitely literary coming of age character driven I would almost describe it as horror in the same way that I would almost describe never let me go as horror. in that like really quiet, slow realization of like, Oh God, this is awful kind of a thing. Um, and not anything like what I was thinking that the book was when I started it. So um, the, the water cure was actually picked in my book club. Someone else in my book club picked it. And it was kind of blurbed to me as the virgin suicides meets the handmaid's tale, which feels pretty accurate. So it's about three sisters, Grace, Leah and Skye, and they live on a little Island um, with their mother, and their father whose name is king uh and he has he runs an extremely tight ship they, this is like a dystopian setting. So like the world has fallen apart and is full of pollution and, um, you know, gangs of evil men who will do nothing but murder you uh, and like disease and all of that. And he has cordoned off their living area. So they live on a beach. He's got buoys out on the beach. He's got barbed wire around the house. And he suits up in his like hazmat suit once a month and goes to the mainland to get them supplies and comes back. And when the book opens, he has just left to do that and does not return. And so these women are left. By themselves. Um, and the more you read about their life together, the more you realize that something is very amiss. Like the stories that they've been told about what's happening in the world are w- w- questionable. Um, also, the girls are regularly abused as a way to keep them, that they, and the parents frame it as like cures, that's what hence the title uh, cures to keep them safe. Uh, so that they stop asking questions, and it it just it's, it becomes more and more culty and strange, and not like any kind of dystopia you've read, where the the danger is clear and present, right? Because they live on this island all by themselves. So like, maybe it's not so clear and present. Maybe it's entirely made up. Maybe it's not. Like you don't you don't know. And so they are alone by themselves, kind of recovering. Also, one of them is pregnant, and there's only one dude on that island. So you arrive to your own conclusions, right? Um, and then three men show up wash up on the shore um, and everything starts to fall apart because these women, not the mother, but the girls, the three girls have been raised to really, really fear men except for their father and so uh this like horrifying kind of week unfolds where they have to live with these men in their space and try to figure out the truth of what's going on out in the world and who they are and save themselves from the situation that they have found them in found themselves in so it's very high stakes it's super super like high stress but the writing is very literary like it's very quiet you're in the heads of the those three sisters alternating um, and it's one of those situations, like in Never Let Me Go, where this dystopian kind of situation unfolds itself very slowly and in a really increasingly terrifying kind of way. So, that's The Water Cure by Sophie McIntosh. Ooh. 1,000.
1: I picked Famous Men Who Never Lived by K. Chess, uh, which comes with a couple trigger warnings uh, for assault, bigotry, and separation from a child. And this is a really... Interesting book because it is a sort of parallel universe story, um, but it is not super heavy on the science y part of it. And there is a plot, but it really is so much more about these characters navigating the world that is not there. So in this story, there are, you're dealing with two separate sort of versions of New York City. Uh, When The book opens you find out that helen uh who's who's called hell for short which cracks me up every time um with (laughs) only one l uh she is a like basically dimensional alternative timeline refugee um in her alternate united states world war ii ended very differently um although not in the way that you're thinking that the world war ii always ends differently like it actually is different even from that which is cool um But nuclear war is about to break out. So this scientist can send people through to this other timeline of the United States. It's pretty close to our timeline, like me as a reader. Um, And but only so many people can go through. And so only so many people actually do make it through. And, you know, the alternate New York is like, what do we do with you? (laughs) Like, how does this work? Like we have to integrate you into society, but like maybe we have some feelings about you invading our space and like how all of that happens and And then hell is like, I don't know how to exist in this world. like the language is the same, the geography is very similar, but the timelines have diverged really dramatically. like she's not going to run into an alternate universe herself. like everything is so different that she the touch points she thinks she has are just gone and So she and her partner Vikram, who is also a refugee, have managed to bring like a few things through with them. And one of them is a copy of this book, The Pyronauts, which Victor is obsessed with and which Hal becomes obsessed with. And she like has sort of developed this whole theory that the timelines diverged because the author of this book didn't survive childhood in this the New York she's in now and did in this alternate New York and like somehow that like changed everything. And so she's going around like trying to convince people of the importance of saving the art that the refugees have brought through with them but she's running into all kinds of walls and prejudices and weirdness. Um and you're gradually finding out her story and while you're watching her try to navigate this world that she both knows and truly doesn't know. It is extremely character-focused. It's really thoughtful. It's a really original, different kind of parallel dimension story. And I just loved it. It was fascinating to think about. Um, And yeah, I think it will definitely scratch very similar itches as Never Let Me Go. So again, that's Famous Men Who Never Lived by Kay Chess.
0: All right, our next question is from Margo, who says, I've been really enjoying fantasy slash magic ebooks set in non-Western European settings like the Bad trilogy, Spinning Silver, the Bone Witch series, and the Six of Crows trilogy. I have a good TBR list for black fantasy, but I would love some recommendations for that type of thing from indigenous American and or Latinx writers and worlds. I've already read Nocturna by Maya Motain. I like YA as long as the characters are complex and mature. I really don't like books where the dialogue or the humor feel really cliché. I particularly like when the characters' friendships are fleshed out and there are a lot of cute, fluffy moments in between the action. Other fantasy I like include The Night Circus, Graceling, A Court of Thorns and Roses, and The Priory of the Orange Tree. If it is on Libro FM, that is a plus. Okay, I'm going to keep going. I picked Mexican Gothic by Silvia Moreno-Garcia, which is... Fantasy, magic-y, sci-fi-y, a little bit horror-ish, super weird set in Mexico. And when I I talked about this book a little bit on my Instagram, and I think I described it as um, if the fall of the House of Usher was about eugenics. And that's exactly, that is 100% (laughs) what it is. So this takes place in the 50s in Mexico and the main character's name is uh, Noemi and she is like a socialite. She's very glamorous. She comes from a very well-to-do and high society family and she's kind of like you know like she's 19 or 20 probably she's in college doesn't really know what she wants to do with herself. She's dating around because men bore her you know like she's just kind of doing the rich socialite thing trying to figure out her life Um, and then she gets uh, called into her father's office and her father is like your cousin um, is sick and her cousin had been recently married to a very handsome and mysterious man and then spirited off to like the countryside to you know be married or whatever it is people do <laughs> and um, your cousin is sick I got this letter from her that's like a little unhinged and makes it sound like she's in danger I talked to her husband he says everything is fine I want you to go out to this house and make sure she's okay Um, both because like you know it's family but also because of like our name and all that and noemi is like "Mm, that sounds boring and i'd like rather not in my head she's people. i was just just gonna say (laughs) yeah (laughs) like i don't love that journey for me like i'm not (laughs) gonna i'm not gonna be doing that and he says well if you do it i will let you go to grad school which he was not going to initially let her do and she's like "Ooh, sold yes so she goes off to this house which is like up in the mountains very rugged and hard to get to Um, and everything is weird. Her cousin is almost like comatose. They tell her that she has tuberculosis, but that's obviously not true. She meets her cousin's husband, who is like handsome, but very unsettling. And then a couple other members of the family who still live in this house. And these people are white, like they are from the UK and came over to Mexico and are very proud of that, you know, and like to a I forgot all of my trigger warnings. There are trigger warnings here for violence against children, sexual assault, and eugenics. And then I feel like you can understand where the eugenics is coming in. Like, these people are um, very isolated. They don't leave their house. There's a lot of inbreeding happening. Super, super strange. And Noemi is like, wow, that's all cool I should leave here now and like starts to kind of plot ways to get her her cousin out um, and leave but you know it's the 50s she's a woman they're isolated what is she gonna do and then things start to kind of fall apart it gets a, it gets very kind of magic-y she starts to hear things the house starts to like kind of haunt her it, there, it, are spells happening like are these people witches druids from wherever across the sea like it's all very confusing um is everybody stoned like there's lots of questions lots and lots of questions very follow the house of usher very follow the house of usher and the house like does that thing, that same thing that Poe was so good at about like the house deteriorates as the family deteriorates and it just feels gross. Like you're not in this world, but you kind of don't want to touch any couches, you know, <laughs> when you're reading it. Like I don't want to attend anything. Everything needs to be bleached in my presence right now. So it's super gross. Um, but yeah, I just loved it. Like it was such a great um, reimagining of that kind of really classic haunted house um, magic, fantasy, horror mashup uh, in a really, really relevant way with such a great main character. She is such a force of nature and has such a great will. She's so smart. Love no one me to death. So that's Mexican Gothic by Sylvia Moreno Garcia.
1: Nice. All right. I picked Hawaii Fantasy. It is Woven in Moonlight by Isabel Ibanez, and it is Bolivian and South American mythology influenced, um, which is part of Ibanez's heritage. And this book, okay, so fair warning, it's going to make you hungry. You're going to want (laughs) to eat all of the food in it. And also, it's a really great fantasy world in that you know the magic system is interesting it feels lived in and very inhabited um, I got sucked in by the imagery in particular uh, it is about Shimena, uh, who is a like body double basically for the condesa the last like remaining royal of this people called the illustrians um and they have been like invaded and conquered by another neighboring country um who has like summoned ghosts and like you know is oppressing them both politically and with their magic and Shimena wants revenge for so many reasons. She also can spin thread made out of moonlight, which is like a thing I would love to be able to do. That's so cool. So Ximena ends up going in like undercover into the usurping ruler's palace to try to find this relic that can, you know, basically put her people back where they belong she feels um and there's like a masked vigilante and a princess and a healer and you know nobody is who they seem to be and she like she just she wants to think very simply like good bad revenge done and everything gets so much more complicated than that and so you know she has to figure out like what she's what she believes what she's going to do about it all of those good things um and i yeah again i think it's like it's atmospheric it's well written the characters are really interesting the world building is great And you will be so hungry. Uh, And also the cover is, I love the cover of this book. It's just lovely. So again, that's Woven in Moonlight by Isabel Ibanez. All right. Our next question is from Sarah, who says, My local children's bookstore, Woozles, runs a YA (laughs) for adults book club. Uh, We have decided that at least half of the books we read each year will be by BIPOC authors. We have always made a point of reading diversely, but after we realized we had read a string of books by white authors, we decided we needed to do better. One of the recent books we read and really enjoyed was Slay by Brittany Morris. I would love a few suggestions for books that are by indigenous authors. We are a Canadian group, so bonus points if the books are Canadian. The book group already read The Marrow Thieves back in 2018, so that one is out. I'm just going to keep talking. Uh, I am picking for you The Lesser Blessed by Richard Van Camp, which was recommended to me by the very excellent author Wabgashik Rice on our old podcast, Recommended. I'm going to link to that episode in the show notes because you should listen to him recommending mm-hmm. it. Like, it is, you're just like, why am I even talking? Like, just go listen. <laughs> just go listen to Rice recommend it. Um, but it is a classic of uh, Canadian Indigenous literature. So it should definitely be on your radar. And it is about uh, Larry, who is a Dogrib Indian growing up in a small northern town. And like he's 16, like he likes heavy metal. He's got a crush on a girl, you know, and he is like feeling you know, out of place in his hometown. Um, And then a new guy, uh, Johnny Beck, who is a Métis from Hay River. Hey, thanks for the pronunciation correction. It immediately (laughs) came in handy. Um, So, yes, so Johnny moves into town and Larry immediately befriends him and they proceed to have, like, terrible teenage adventures, basically. Um, And this book has a lot of weight to it. Uh, Larry's father is abusive. There's drug use. His cousins have died in accidents. um, And so he's struggling to come to terms with a lot of different things. And, And it's just like it is. It's a coming of age story that's absolutely a classic and definitely would make for great Book club fodder. So again, that's *The Lesser Blessed* by Richard Van Camp.
0: All right, I picked *Son of a Trickster* by Eden Robinson, who is a, an author from Kitimat in British Columbia, and that is where the book is set. And this is also a YA novel because that's what you asked for. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I had to say that. That was weird. Um, so it's about a kid named Jared, and Jared is the most cinnamon roll like. 16 year old the dude abides like i love <laughs> this kid kind of a guy so jared lives with his mom who is frightening her his mom is a drug dealer they live offers uh, off reservation his mom is a drug dealer and is like in and out with various and sundry also terrifying boyfriends who are also drug dealers so like his home life is not great his father who he is not supposed to have contact with because his mom doesn't want him to but who he does have contact with and like gives money to is addicted to drugs Um, And Jared is, like, kind of a burnout. He's really good at making weed cookies. um, But he also is, like, the most compassionate child you will meet on a page. Like, he is here to care for everyone. Um, He is super concerned about his, like, elderly neighbors. He, like, makes rounds to make sure everyone's doing okay and to deliver the weed cookies. Mm. Um, (laughs) Yeah. He's got one friend and it's his pit bull who has just died. So he's like sad, you know. And so he's got all this life stuff going on. Normal kid stuff at school, but also not so normal home life. Um, Lots of people depending on him and he's struggling to keep everything going. Wrinkle is that sometimes he blacks out for no reason. And now you look, he's not high, none of that. um, And he can't figure out why and doesn't remember what he's done you know while he was out and his maternal grandmother says it's because he's the son of a trickster that the trickster has a long history in his family and she is like always treated him a little weird because of it because she's a little scared and spooky around him also like birds talk to him sometimes even when he's not high which like question mark about that so obviously something else is going on right like he's got a crazy home life and he's struggling with stuff at school Um, And then also, like, this weird supernatural stuff keeps happening to him, even though he's not stoned, usually, most sometimes, most of the time. Um, And so you're, like, here for him as he figures this out. Uh, And it's got mythological, supernatural elements that are also explained in really interesting ways using, like, astrophysics. It's so complex and complicated and interesting. And there's so much here to talk about, so much here to talk about because, uh, well, I'm not going to go into why, but because I'm recommending it, that's why. Eden Robinson is such a great writer. And this is the first book in a continuation because when it's over, you're like, oh, man, I like like him so much. And I want to know more about him as like when he's grown. And so there are, there is another, I know of at least one other book in the series. I don't know if she's writing another one. So that's Son of a Trickster by Eden Robinson. Okay, our next question is from Morellis, who says, I'm in a reading rut. The stress of 2020 has made me so anxious, and I can't focus on anything new, and I've just been rereading old favorites. I'd like to find a new book to read that will not be stressful and will be fun and escapist. I'm a big fan of romance, YA, and fantasy. I would really like to try some sci-fi, but I worry that I will not be able to keep up with too much techie stuff or complex world building. Um... Oh, or that complex world building will be too hard for me to keep up with since I only read when I'm awake at night nursing my baby. I did read Night Chaser by Amanda Boucher and enjoyed it. That was easy enough to keep up with. So what non-stressful romance, YA, fantasy, sci-fi books can you suggest? All right, Jen, what you got?
1: I am recommending the Chilling Effect series by Valerie Valdez. They're so great. (laughs) You're going to love them. And I am so excited that there are now two books in this series that are out. You can read them both. They're so good. And this is Mm -hmm. a really fun, rompy, sci-fi adventure that I think, like, if you could follow the Night Chaser world, there are more, you know, aliens and things in the Chilling Effect series. But I, it's like, you'll be fine. I, I feel confident that you will be fine. The main character of this series is Eva Innocente. She is a captain of a spaceship crew, because of course she is. And they like take a lot of odd jobs. Um, she has some history that she's sort of running from. And, like, their most recent job, they ended up with, like, a whole litter of, like, psychic kittens. Like, weird things happen to them. She pisses off an alien in a bar who's, like, aggressively coming on to her. And now he's following her around the universe, like, trying to add her to his alien harem and blowing up things. And she's not having any of that either. Like, the number of things that Eva Innocente is not having is large. And Relatable. She's so great. She's also in this sort of flirtation with one of her crew members, which is complicated because she's a captain, power dynamics. And I love the way that gets dealt with. It's so, ugh, it's just really well done. Um, and in the first book, she gets this distress call from her sister who she's been estranged with and basically her sister has been kidnapped by the space mafia uh, called the Fridge and they're like you can't have her back unless you do a bunch of jobs for us and she doesn't want to drag her crew into this so she tries to like do them on the DL that does not work out (laughs) shocking Um, and in the second book I don't want to like give any spoilers but the adventures continue it takes place I want to say like six months to a year after the events of the first book I can't remember the exact time jump, but it is just oh it's so inventive it's so funny it's so fun it is like very actiony like page turny um and so like there are stressful moments but I didn't find it anxiety producing like it's stressful in the way that like oh the bad guys are coming like are we gonna win that's the stress of this but like it's they're gonna. it's going to be okay. I'm just like going to tell you it's going to be okay. Um, and I really loved the second book, which is called Prime Deceptions and just came out this year. It is very satisfying in all of the ways that you want it to be satisfying. It also has this concept that is like extremely a hilarious shout out to Pokemon, which cracked me up, not going to lie. Uh, so again, that's the Chilling Effect series by Valerie Valdez. The first book is Chilling Effect. And the second book is Prime Deceptions.
0: Okay, I picked The Ten Thousand Doors of January by Alex E. Harrow, which is a historical fiction, fantasy, very escapist book for book lovers. Um, And so this takes place at the turn of the mm, 20th century. Had to do the century conversion there. Turn of the 20th century. January is a young girl when the book opens, like super young, um, whose father is in like kind of treasure collector slash errand runner across the globe for a wealthy man named Mr. Locke and so her father goes off around the world looking for things that like archaeolo- archaeologists in the early 20th century would be interested in and functionally stealing them for rich white people and he brings them back and January stays with Mr. War- or Mr. Locke as um his ward while her father is gone And he's gone for, you know, months, sometimes years at a time. So she's functionally being raised kind of by herself, like by no one. (laughs) Even though Mr. Locke, this like very wealthy white dude, comes down from on high occasionally to like give her a journal or, you know, buy her a new dress or whatever. But he's super occupied with his own stuff. Um, And on the travels, um, one day when she's with Mr. Locke, she goes with him when he travels. They go to, I think, Kentucky for some kind of archaeology meetup. She is out in a field and discovers a door that when she opens, like salt air comes. It's like standing in a field, right? There's nothing on either side of it. She opens it, salt air comes through it. She can see a city on a hill um, and realizes that doors to other places exist. The, not subplot, but the um, kind of driving force behind her life is that she is a person of color. It's not explained where her father is from. It's ex- except that like he is dark brown and has tattoos and she is also dark brown and has curly hair. Um and she becomes kind of a curiosity in Mr. Locke's house. Like he has these big parties and these white people come and laugh at him or laugh at her, you know, and she has, she fits nowhere. Like she can't fit in his society because of her skin. She has no one around her from her own culture um at all. So she's because her father is gone and her mother is dead. So she's just very much by herself. And once she discovers that there are doors to other places, she decides that that's, you know, the thing that she's going to pursue with her life. Um, There is an intermediate time between her early childhood and her teenage years when she pretends that she doesn't know that there are doors to other places because it's easier. But then she finds a book uh, about called the 10,000 doors that describe all of these uh, adventures that you can go on. And so that's what she decides that she's going to do. She's going to escape this terrible life, um, of loneliness and like racism and sadness uh, with her horrible dog, who she has named bad who love, <laughs> um, and go on some adventures through some doors. Like that's what she's going to do. So it's very escapist, like literally <laughs> escapist. And I just read this recently and i very much related to the idea of like, everything here is awful. I'm going to go somewhere else. Bye bye. But like, there's nowhere to go, right? She's trapped in this house She has no money. She has no job. She can't go out and get one because it's 1910 and she's brown. And like in Kentucky, where are you going to go? You know, Um, so she is very trapped. And that feeling was extra relatable right now. Um, So she decides to make make adventure where she can. So that's the Ten Thousand Doors of January by Alex E. Harrow. And it is time for our next sponsor.
2: Today's episode is brought to you by Thirsty by Jazz Hammonds. Thanks again to Thirsty by Jazz Hammonds for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Greenleaf Book Group. No summer vacation should be without a great read, and I don't know about you, but I am partial to mysteries and thrillers for my
1: All right. Our next question is from Lauren, who says, I have discovered this year a love of romance novels, mostly historical. However, I'd like to dip my toes in a little further into the genre and read more, especially contemporary romance. I've read a lot of Julia Quinn and Tessa Dare. I'm okay with some sexy times, but not too much. I am so delighted to recommend unto you Girl Gone Viral by Alicia Rye. And this is... I think a really interesting introduction to Alicia's work. It's technically, as always, it's technically number two in the Modern Love series. I did love the first one, but I think given what you've been reading and what you specified you wanted, um, this is the Alicia Rye to start with. I will say it includes a warning for an abusive parent and uh, the heroine experiences panic attacks. So if reading about those is triggering for you, just note that. Um, But I, oh my gosh, everybody in this book is a cinnamon roll. I love them all so freaking much. It is such a lovely story. There is some sex, but like not a ton. And it is so much about like, family and, you know, letting go of your past so that you can be the person who just like you want to the person you're comfortable with being. Oh, I love it so much. Uh, The main character Katrina is a former model who is very reclusive. Um, She's also a widow. She was married to a very wealthy man who basically like helped her escape from her terrible manager father who was terrible, like I said. Uh, and she is like, ex- like, panic attack, like. Uh, socially phobic. She is really like learning gradually, slowly to be out in the world. Um, She guards her privacy very fiercely because, you know, she was at one point famous and she doesn't want people, you know, talking about her or knowing who she is or where she is. She's also sort of not exactly in hiding from her dad, but like she never wants to talk to him ever again. So the less he knows about where she is and what she's up to, that the better. She has a bodyguard who has been pining for her as she has been pining for him. But like employer-employee relationship, they don't know where they stand with each other. It's all very pining, so much pining. It's really lovely. Um, All that Jazz, her bodyguard, wants to do is like, take care of her and like, make sure that she's happy. And, uh, the thing that happens is that in her like, um, work on herself and her ongoing therapy, you know, she goes to this coffee shop that she feels safe in. And on this day, she happens to have an interaction with a cute stranger and it's a very flirty interaction, but it doesn't go anywhere. And like, she feels really good about it. She's like, Oh, I like had an interaction with a stranger in a public place. Like I'm doing the thing. I'm so proud of myself. And then the whole thing, she finds out later, has been like live, you know, tweeted or whatever by the couple Mm. sitting next to them at the cafe. Now it's on the internet. Everybody's trying to figure out who she is. There's a blurry photo of her. Like her privacy has been completely invaded. And the guy who she had the interaction with is faking that they have a relationship, even though it's Mm. not true. So she's just like, everything is terrible. I need to hide forever. And Jazz is like, well... My family has a farm. Let's go hide in the farmhouse.
0: Yeah, they do.
1: (laughs) And, but he poor jazz is also has a very complicated relationship with his family. He's a little bit estranged from them, even though they love him, but they don't really understand him. He's a veteran. He has PTSD that is untreated and he doesn't really know how to talk about feelings like ever. He's never talked about feelings. So you can imagine that that gets complicated. Um, And when I say to you that this is so sweet, like, Kat is obsessed with feeding people. She's got, like, a sourdough that she's had for, like, ever. It's, like, I think it's her mom's sourdough. And she's constantly making food for people. And Jazz is, like, you know, the protective, like, guy who just wants everybody to be safe all the time. And their interactions are so heartwarming. I loved the family and friend interactions with this. Like, you see their communities and how they care for each other. And it is just... Great. I love it. Oh, I love it. Um, This might be one of my favorite of Alicia's books, actually. And they all have their own charms, but this one really hit me in some spots. So, again, that's A Girl Gone Viral by Alicia Rye.
0: Okay. I picked The Bromance Book Club by Lisa K. Adams, uh, which is, again, with everyone's a cinnamon roll. (laughs) I think that's the theme of this uh, story here. Um, so the main characters are Gavin and Thea. Gavin is a second baseman for the Nashville Legends, which is a major league baseball team, and he has a wife, obviously named Thea, and they um, got married very young when she found out that she was pregnant. So they have twins. They have, I think, they're three-year-old twins. Um, And their marriage is in just tons of trouble. Gavin has found out that his wife has been faking her orgasms for like God knows how long. And he handles it very poorly. He like storms out and she decides that that's the last straw. Like she gave up her dreams to marry him and support him in his career and have his babies. And now he's like storming out without even trying to figure out why she's been doing this for the past few years. Um, And she's not dealing with it anymore. So she asks for a divorce. Which Gavin is like very not here for. He does not want a divorce, even though he's the one who walked out. And so into this mess come all of Gavin's friends who are like also professional athletes, high high profile real estate agents, like high powered people from the city council, like these very alpha-y kind of dudes who have a secret romance novel book club that they run to save their relationships. I cannot deal with it. It is so great. So they have historically all had problems in their, you know, individual marriages or relationships. And to solve them, they read a bunch of romance novels, get together and discuss them and their feelings about them and then go apply the things that they learned to their marriage or relationships. Gavin is suspicious of this like first of all you want me to read a what and it's got a who on the cover and you want me to do what now like i apply this to my own marriage this is nonsense but of course it doesn't turn out to be nonsense it turns out to be extremely correct advice and so he does that and it's just a wild ride of him trying to figure out like maybe you don't need to take the language from a regency romance and apply it to your marriage but maybe some of the lessons about like consent and caring for you know your wife's thoughts and feelings and not being a selfish a-hole all the time like maybe those things are lessons you can take from mermits novels there are reasons why millions and billions and billions of people across the world love them so much but the entire premise is so sweet and lovely um the I like the problems that they have that Thea and, Gav- uh, yeah, Thea and Gavin have because they are they feel very real, you know? Like, she has some body image issues coming off of her pregnancy with her twins, which I will tell you from personal experience will wreck you. Um, and, you know, their communication stuff, weird power dynamics with his fame and his wealth, and she's, like, feels weird about it. Like, a lot of the problems that they have are super, super real and relatable. And the way that he extracts lessons from... <laughs> like ridiculous Regency romance, which is interspersed throughout the the text um, unto his, into his, his own relationship are so great. And there are sexy times. That's not like the steamiest thing I've ever read. So you said sexy times, but not too much. I think this is just about right. So that's The Bromance Book Club by Lisa K. Adams. All right. Our next question is from Morgan. Who says, last year you recommended Into the Drowning Deep by Mira Grant, and I was obsessed with it. I realized that I don't read much fantasy anymore, but given the current times, I'm desperately in need of a different world to dive into. I'm looking for adult fantasy where the setting is a strong character in the book. In addition to Mira Grant's books, I've also enjoyed Circe by Madeline Miller and The Bear and the Nightingale by Katherine Arden. Besides books, other books by these authors, do you have any recommendations? All right, Jen.
1: All right. I am recommending The Books of Amba by Tasha Suri, which is a two-book series currently. Gosh, I hope there will be more eventually, although it's not announced that there will be. Um, The first one is Empire of Sand, and the second is Realm of Ash. And these books are extremely atmospheric in a really lovely way. They are inspired by Mughal India and the Empire, and uh, Tasha Suri has, like, Woven sort of that historical, you know, big sprawling Southeast Asian empire into all of this really intense magic stuff. So in the first book, you meet Mare, who is the daughter of like an imperial governor and also um, a woman who is part of a tribe of nomads who have powers uh, that they are, it's like in their blood, they have this power to communicate with desert spirits. And this is looked down upon, it's suppressed by the Empire. Mare has to keep her lineage basically a secret. Um, she doesn't really know much about it. But her powers sort of awaken in this moment, and the Emperor get word gets word of it, and basically sends an ultimatum, like, you will come to my court and serve me. Also, you will marry this other person who is in service to me so that I can like harness the power of your blood for my own purposes or like your family is screwed and she's like all right well I guess I'm doing that thing (laughs) and uh her new like quote-unquote husband it is a relationship in name only for a good long time Uh, is like very reticent and doesn't want to talk to her much. Like he's super not into this situation either. They go on this epic journey to the heart of the empire where she like discovers this sort of rotten foundations that this empire is built on. Um, and then the second book is the story of her sister many years later. and uh, it is it expands the world in this really fascinating, amazing way. And like when I think about these books, I, I feel like I'm there, you know, like I can feel like the gritty sand and I can see the marketplaces that are described or the forts or the terrible emperor or the desert spirits. Like I really you just feel so sucked into the world building and the characters are so compelling. Um, Mare is really prickly and like headstrong in a way that I just love. And uh, the second book is like very angry in a really satisfying way way um because it's all about how women who are you know have been like through a relationship with a man and now are no longer like widows in particular, like how they're regarded by society and, you know, sort of cast to the outskirts and reclaiming that power in your place in society. So they they're like plots are super satisfying, but also the world building is extremely satisfying. And I think it dovetails well with the other books that you're loving. So, again, that's the Books of Amba series by Tasha Suri. The first book is Empire of Sand.
0: Okay, my pick is uh, the Shades of Magic series by V.E. Schwab. The first book is A Darker Shade of Magic. And I picked this because it's a trilogy in which the setting is the whole point. <laughs> so Kel is the main character and he is an Antari, which is a magician who has the ability to travel between various Londons. And in this world, there are uh, four. Four different versions of Londons are all given... Um, color names so red london gray white and black and he lives in red london and he serves as an ambassador to the king and the queen who have raised him since he was a, an orphan boy and their son who is the princess's best friend and so he, as the ambassador, spends a lot of time traveling between various Londons uh, as, you know, the messenger of his royal, whatever, king and queen. Um, so he, you know, goes to white London, which is actually very dangerous. He goes to gray London, which is uh, kind of our version of London. Like, there's not a lot of magic left in it. George the Third is on the throne sort of a thing. Um, but. He also, in his like, spare time, is a smuggler and he spends a lot of time bringing relics and artifacts and objects between all of the various Londons and selling them to the highest bidder to people who are never going to get a chance to see these other worlds. Um, this turns into like maybe not a great idea when he has a big deal that goes really awry. He ends up in grey London, kind of on the run for his life, and he runs into Delilah Bard, who is a pirate wannabe slash like, pickpocket ne'er-do-well kind of a girl um, who robs him and when she robs him of is a thing that like she really has no business having uh, and so she ends up on this adventure with him she forces him to take her back to red london with him and they go on this like adventure to save kel's neck from this terrible you know deal that he's made that gets him really embroiled in these political machinations that he like initially really didn't have anything to do or like didn't want anything to do with um so there's a lot of adventure a lot of like piratical kind of stuff lots of magic and the different versions of londons have um magical reasons for being the way that they are and the more you get to know them the more they feel like people that you're getting to know and they they push on the story in such um strong ways like the the whole thing is shaped by these different london settings so that's a darker shade of magic the series is called shades of magic by v e schwab
1: All right. Our last question is from Gabby, who has asked for a double recommendation. My younger sister just finished reading the Anna and the French Kiss series and won't stop complaining about how there is no more to read. She has a little hole in her heart after this series, but can't seem to find another swoon-worthy YA romance to fill that hole. Uh, She wants a cute romance that will make you squeal. Extra points for a book with heartwarming side characters and an interesting setting. The second question is, I've found myself watching or marathoning Jane the Virgin on Netflix. My love for this show is beyond words because I connect so much with the main character and love the dramatic romantic plots since it is summer and i'm not in school i'm looking for a book of this manner to fill my heart like jane i'm a catholic latina girl who loves to write and adores romance i would like to read a book that touches on abstinence and catholicism along with its struggles while also encapsulating me in a swoon worthy romance hope that's Mm -hmm. not too much to ask so we split this one amanda what Mm -hmm. do you have for the ya romance hole to fill
0: Okay, so for your little sister, I picked When Dimple Met Rishi by Sandhya Menon, which is so cute and sweet and swoon and lovely. Um, it is about, obviously, a girl named Dimple, who has just graduated from high school and is about to spend her summer at a web development, like, not internship, camp, a camp, um, and she's like ready for this because she's tired of being at home. Her family is kind of obsessed with finding her like a good Indian husband and getting her settled down and married, even though she obviously wants to be a web developer and has all of these dreams of professional success and wants to go to college and is like, just not here for the getting married thing. Not here for it. Rishi is kind of the opposite of Dimple. He's very romantic. He's an, like a born romantic. He He's is more kind of into tradition and doing things to please his parents than Dimple is necessarily. Um, And it turns out that he is going to this same summer program for web developers. It also turns out that his parents know Dimple's parents. And it also, also turns out that their parents have arranged for the two of them to be married without ever telling Dimple, which is not great. But they have told Rishi. So Rishi knows he's going to this summer program. He knows that His future wife is going to be there and he's decided that, like, they're going to get to know each other, take the time to kind of, like, maybe do a little bit of courting, you know, uh, to prepare for their future together. So he shows up at this summer thing and sees her, like, out drinking iced coffee on a bench and approaches her and is like, hey, future wife. And she, of course, having no idea who he is or what he's talking about, throws her coffee at him and flees and then finds out eventually, you know, it comes out that um, this thing has been arranged, this marriage has been arranged between their parents, she gets super, super mad. Um, you know, yells at her parents, does this, this whole thing. But like, also kind of likes this dude. Like, he's funny. He's really nice. He's smart. He's interested in the stuff that she's interested in. He's a really brilliant artist. Crap, you know. <laughs> like, ugh, I like him, but I don't. I can't like him because my parents arranged this, and that's awful. And who does that? But like he's cute (laughs) so it's like a little complicated and then you're just kind of following along to see what happens between the two of them and since it's a romance i bet you can guess but it's super super sweet i loved it a lot so that's when dimple met rishi by sandhya menon
1: So this is the part where I apologize to listeners, there's construction going on in the backyard next door, and it's just beyond the point where we can pause to try to filter it out. So I apologize for any background noise that happens in this next little section of the show. Okay, so I took on the challenge of a celibate heroine romance, which is... Not easy to find, and I'm going to keep looking, and I look forward to hearing from listeners if they have any ones for a Catholic heroine. I did not find, but I did find a celibate Muslim heroine for you that I thought you might enjoy. It's Sophia Khan is Not Obliged by Aisha Malik, and I think that this vibe is not at all that far from the Jane the Virgin vibe in that, like, Sophia is very outgoing and funny... And like all of these, like sort of had all these like slightly madcap real world adventures. Like it feels very Bridget Jonesy, which I think also is an interesting side along for Jane the Virgin. Um, and so yeah, I think I think you'll really dig it. Again, I know it's not exactly what you asked for, but it is the only celibate heroine that I have read. Um, it is uh, about Sophia, as you might expect, who works for a publisher, mm-hmm. and she is like enduring the perils of dating while Muslim and is in a work meeting when they're like brainstorming ideas and she's just come off a terrible date and so she's like oh somebody should write like a dating manual for Muslim girls and they're like oh yeah you should do that and she's like no 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 I didn't mean me like some (laughs) someone should do that but they're like well we'll give you a bunch of money to write it and so she's just like I guess I can do that no I can't wait do I do I know how to write like how is this going to go so you follow her as she like is writing these chapters of this book again a writerly hair in, very Jane the Virgin, um, and it, and you know having these going on these dates, like having these frustrating interactions with these different men. Also, her family. One of her best friends is getting married. Um, her sister is also getting married. I want to say somebody else is pregnant. Like there's a lot of shenanigans going on in the family, and it is so. It's like funny. It's heartwarming. It's romancy. I loved the ending so much. And um, it's also really real about the racism that Sophia endures as a hijabi woman in London. And uh, so, like, heads up for that. Um, so, but it's still, like, again, like a really funny, thoughtful, enjoyable romance. So, that is once more Sophia Khan is Not Obliged by Aisha Malik.
0: And that is our show. Huzzah. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Please leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to our sponsors for sponsoring the show. You can find us on social media. I'm on Instagram at I'm Amanda Nelson.
1: Where is Jen? I am also mostly on Instagram these days as I am Jen IRL. That's I-A-M-J-E-N-N-I-R-L. And we will talk to you all next week.